0: Very welcome. If it's your, uh, if it's your first time here, um, or if you're a regular, you're also very welcome. So it's good to see you all. Um, uh, hands up, you were here last week. Maybe I should ask. Hands up, if you weren't here last week. Excellent. You, you need to come for some prayer this morning, then. All right. Uh, we'll see where we can go. This, this series is called Holy Fire. But there's, I don't know if you noticed, there's lots of things happening around the world right now. Match of the day played last night for the first time without a theme tune. I guess a pretty, that's, a, that's, that's a pretty big deal for football fans. All right. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of uh, conspiracies going on around the world. You know, the end times are around tomorrow, and if you believe TikTok, it's happened last week, and we just haven't caught up with it yet. Um, but I don't know why you to notice this or not. But right now, there's pockets of revival popping up all around the world. Um, we were in Israel. Did I tell you that last week? <laughs> You might hear that a few times today, but we were in Israel last week, but one of the places we didn't go to was the upper room, because it's probably not where the upper room was. That's the thing about when you go to Israel. You know, somebody 100 years ago said, oh, this is where the upper room is, and it's probably nowhere near where the upper room was. But anyway, um, yesterday, a whole bunch of students have been traveling around Israel. They went into the upper room, and they've been going now for 37 hours in worship in the upper room, and uh, it hasn't stopped. And and what's happening is there's a generation right now that are, are tapping into something that that a lot of the adults kind of are going, what's going on? And uh, I was talking to Jordan this week. um, The the kids that are coming next week have been going for about three and a half weeks right now in Reading. And because of Bethel structure, what's happening is they they can't get rooms all the time just to to put down. But every now and again, these kids are popping up and they are just worshiping 24 seven. And God's doing something in this generation that... I have to say, the timing of what we're about to do in the next week is, is just really interesting to me, and I'm really excited about, about what's going on. I really want to encourage you to come to our birthday party next week, all right? Um, I know some of you haven't had, had, have had historical, haven't had birthdays. I've had you in the council room, I understand. Next week, we're going to give you a big piece of cake, and there'll be a candle on it, and you can blow it out, all right? <laughs> Uh, so, so we're gonna do that so we're starting at 5.30 we've got some food for you and then we're gonna go into a little bit of a service at 6.30 we're gonna do some worship and share a little bit of summer history here some testimonies and then uh, we're gonna have a party okay um, I'll save all of that but we've got some surprises for you okay uh, Stacey has been involved with that I can only tell you what's in her head right now. It's, uh, so please come next week. Invite all your friends, lad. We're, we're hoping to pack this place out, and, and we, we really want to have a, a lot of fun. Um, but then, as the, as the course of the week goes on, um, we've got 60 people coming in. Um, and uh, Jordan's been coming for 10 years, and uh, you know he, he was he was kind of here right at the very beginning. And um, you know him and I have become very good brothers, as, as, as many of us have become friends with them all. And uh, uh, it's not necessarily about Bethel, but it's about relationship, you understand that? And what I love about this group of people is that they are so fiery when it comes to things of God. And uh, we don't always agree on everything, but what I would say is, is that, 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 that the fire of God and the passion that's in them is contingent. And uh, so when these guys come in and we get around them, th- there's something in them that I just love being around because it lights a fire in me and that spurs me on and uh, if I can light a fire on you, or some of these guys can light a fire on you, so please come along, get involved. Also, if you're over a certain age, okay, and you have a D1 on your license, and you've uh, got a little bit of loose time next week, uh, we've got about 73 bus trips and four minibuses that I need drivers for. That's proving rather difficulty, a difficulty for us at the minute, so if you've got a D1 on your license, and you're you're kind of not one to do anything, and you'll not kill 17 people on a bus, you know, <laughs> And, and that's me saying that, okay? Uh, it's like, you know, it's we, we would love we, we would love to get... I haven't killed anybody yet, all right? You know, uh, have, I near lost my car in the snow over over to her head. then the interns up the North Coast one day. That was a bad idea. But anyway, I haven't lost the bus yet. Um, but we were talking to a man who did go over the edge and he walked away alive. But anyway, good things. A couple of other things as well. A couple of other things as well. The heresy hunters are after us again. Yo. Hooray. <laughs> Ian's joined the elite, elite group of Thomas and myself. Ian got a letter last week. Yay! <laughs> so, you know when you get one of those letters with an anonymous name telling you how rubbish you are? You're like, hooray! <laughs> you know you're doing something good in the world. And uh, the, the mere mention of Bases M, uh on Facebook brings them all out. So, uh, Cecil, if you're watching, come join us. We'd love to have you. I'd love to pray for you. Hopefully, the Spirit of God touches your life. Um, good... Oh, you just, just love it. You love it. I love what Bill Johnson says. If you live for the praises of men, you'll die by their criticism. No truer thing said. You have to shake it off sometimes. But you're here today, and one of the things I want to talk about is some of the stuff that the heresy hunters don't believe in. You see, they're very critical about supernatural signs and wonders. Now, I don't understand why they're critical because it's kind of like, you're meant to be like Jesus, and that's what he did. And he, he, he commissioned the disciples to go into the world, teaching them to obey everything that he had commanded them to do. And the four things he instructed them at the Great Commission was to heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, and preach the gospel. And I'm kind of going, I don't think the Great Commission has changed in 2,000 years. And in fact, if ever there was a greater need for supernatural signs and wonders to build a church, it's something that confounds the world. So I don't fully understand how you can take a theological platform or biblically, how, how how I'm the heretic and they're not. But anyway, that's a whole other story for another time. But it's what I want to talk about today. And uh, it's uh, a continuation of last week. I, I hopefully got some passion inside of you and put a seed of faith inside you to burst the flame inside of you. To, the Bible says to fan in the flame the gift within you. But I want to talk about what creates a condition for the supernatural ministry. And I think sometimes people don't fully understand this, but there is a biblical order that I want to share a little bit now. Some of you have heard this before, and it's one of those things where, in, in a world today that doesn't fully understand this, um, what's actually happened is we, we've become the Western church has had a culture for about a hundred years of what I'm going to call pastor-led churches. Pastor-led. We 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 call them, you know, Mike introduced me as Reverend or pastor or Reverend. We've had a minister. And, and the ideology around some of our theology of this has been, has been lost. For, for the most part, we've become a non-profit organization, the church. We, we've operated in a three-fold ministry instead of a five-fold ministry. Um, uh, what I want to share with you today is a little bit about what, what, what conditions do we need to have in a church body in order that the supernatural will flow very naturally. And what I've discovered is this in any churches where you see a move of the supernatural, they they had a set of leadership structure that facilitated like a, a downpipe that, that meant that in that downpipe created the environment that the Spirit of God seemed to come along and do, do miracles. Now, can the Spirit of God work outside of that? Yes, because he's the Spirit of God and he can do what he wants, right? Um. But, but in a church context, the, the, the apostles in the early early stages understood something about the apostolic and the prophetic, and that the apostolic and the prophetic coming together, the Bible says first apostles, then prophets, and then all the rest of it. But the problem with that is the apostolic and the prophets are generally misunderstood, because apostles are crazy, <laughs> and the prophets are weird, uh, <laughs> right? You know, a prophet, he, he's off, he or she's off into, you know, they see a microwave. You know, three, 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 three. You know, it means something. They need to go in the microwave and get teleported off to somewhere else. But it's kind of interesting how the prophetic world works. And any of the apostolic, and they're just interested in, in seeing people saved, the church built, and getting on the floor and God doing a work in your life. That's kind of how it works. And you stay down there until he does a work in you, and then you can get up and do something else. And the apostles don't really understand the rest of the world, a bit like the evangelist, you know, but the apostles are people who grab a vision from heaven, if you can imagine a blueprint from heaven, with an idea or a vision that God gives them, and then they implement it. Now, the apostle's job isn't, isn't to come in and do to, to do the plumbing, all right? His job is to, to build a big picture and then find the resources for the plumber to exist within the structure of the apostolic. But the problem with the apostolic is they scare the bejeebas out of people. I was with another church planter this week, and there's some friends of ours who just planted a church this morning down in Abbey Life, Darren and Susie, and we'll bless them today as they start their church. We've been helping them out a bit. But one of the things that we discovered is that it takes a barbarian to plant a church. <laughs> All right, let me, let me tell you that, right? You need to have a barbarian's heart and a passion to plant a church today. And the ones that I know have successfully planted a church over the years are barbarians. Here's the problem. We sit around having a meeting laughing because nobody else likes us. And why is that? Well, because the apostolic call in our life is something that God puts into us. And whenever you get it, it's not a gift that you're given. I want you to understand this. There's a difference between gift and and the office. I'm gonna talk about this in a second. But the difference is it's who you are a gift is what you have, the office of the fivefold is who you are. I can't turn it off. Rachel often says to me, can you not just bring people around for dinner and uh, have a normal conversation? (laughs) Uh, That was a normal conversation. I want to talk about church. I want to talk about Jesus. I want to talk about, please, can you just turn it off? You know, don't be TTing them, John. Just leave them alone. (laughs) And uh, it's, it's this thing where you can't, You see, here's the thing about the apostle, and there's a book called The Apostolic Curse, and I understand this because it's the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning, and it's the last thing you think about before you go to bed at night. It's in you, it's through you, you can't help it. I wish I could turn it off sometimes, but personally I can't. I'm thinking about where I'm gonna plant our next church. I'm thinking about how we we can do things that build the kingdom of God. I'm always there. I need an eldership team to go, hey, hold on a minute, you, come on back here. That's gonna cost far too much money. And go, I don't care, because the apostles don't care about money, they just care about getting it done. And when the when the apostolic gets into someone, it's 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 this drive. I mean, if you think about Paul the Apostle, all right? And I'm not talking about the apostles, I'm talking about the office of the apostle. And, and I want you to understand there's a difference there. And this is where sometimes biblically language in English doesn't always explain this. Because the awful the office of prophet that's found in Ephesians 4 and other parts of the Bible is a calling that is a gift from Christ to the church. You don't go and get it. The the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you eagerly desire. So you you gotta go get them and we're gonna go after those this morning. But the the gifts of Christ to the church are Christ's gifts that he he, he bestows it on someone, sometimes without them even asking for it or wanting it. And when God drops that into you, and I remember... I remember when God dropped this heart to do this church into me and being terrified of it, it was like, you couldn't help but having to do it. And I think sometimes the Bible says, many are, many are called, but few are chosen. And I think the call of God is much bigger, but it takes a barbarian to grab hold of this and not care about what people think about them, not, not care about, about money, not care about, about anything other than what God's called them to do. And there's a sacrifice in that because two things happened when I I got this. One, I lost a lot of friends. Two, I became irritable to other people. That's the apostolic. If you ever read the scriptures and you read anything about Paul, you've got to think about what Paul went through. I mean, this man was driven by the Spirit of God and he said, I have been through it all. I mean, just think about what he, he was betrayed by his friends. He was chased out of cities, he was beaten, he was threatened with death, he was shipwrecked, he was bitten by snakes, he was betrayed by his friends. And what did he say from, a, from a, the basement in a, in, a, in a Roman jail? I consider it pure joy. God had put something in him that it didn't matter what was gonna happen to him till he died, he, he was gone. Now, is everybody called for that? I don't think so. Are you called to receive the gifts of the Spirit, which, you know, 1 Corinthians talks about nine of them, but actually I think there's a lot more of them. Yes, you are. And we're going to pray for that today, that you receive the Holy Spirit and you get baptized. But without the offices, none of that flows correctly. And it's not that you can't have it, don't, don't get me wrong, but there's something that I think creates a supernatural, and I'll prove it to you. Uh, last week, we went to the well of Bethesda, two weeks ago now, we went to the well of Bethesda. And if you've got this little stone circle with a well where you wind in a bucket and you pull water out, you, you, you need to get rid of that, okay? This place is a massive, deep, deep, uh, just this huge area. In, in the middle of Jerusalem, that was a massive swimming I mean, if you imagine Antiform swimming pool and to get out by four times, that's how big the well of Bethesda was. But a couple of interesting things that, that really struck me was that the only scripture in, in, that ever talked about God moving without the intervention, intervention of, of a man or Jesus, in the, in, particularly in the gospels, was at the well of Bethesda. The old story goes is that God's spirit would come along and an angel would stir the waters and the sick people who lay around the waters, if they were the first to jump in when the water stirred, they get instantly healed. And there was an environment that created the supernatural, but what was interesting as I read this and, and, and as I've heard some people preaching this over the years, I realized that there was, there was a couple of things very interesting. The well of Bethesda had these five columns. You can still see the bases of them today. Coming up out that were called uh, uh, columns, uh, they were colonnades or they were structures that had five tents or the Bible talks about you might I can imagine these covers. They had these five tents that covered the well of Bethesda. Now, whether that was to keep the sun out, or the rain out or whatever, but it had these five coverings. And I thought, it's really interesting that that had five coverings, and it's the only place in the Gospels that created a supernatural environment for God to come and do a miracle. And then, and then as I was studying this again, and I heard some other people, I, I remember reading in Exodus that the oil of anointing that was made for to anoint Aaron had five ingredients. And these five ingredients were called sacred. They were holy. And they were only ever to be mixed in that quantity and used as the oil that was not just what we do today, just a little cross on your forehead. They would take this bucket of oil and they would pour it over Aaron's head. And the oil would literally drip all the way down, covering every part of his body. You know, it was dripping off him, the oil. And um, we saw a press of of how olive oil is made um, last week. And uh, you know the oil and the press and how oil is produced is just even more biblical than, than I've got time to explain today. But but this oil that was anointing oil had five ingredients. And and I'm not one that kind of takes numbers out of scripture and try to make something with it. I don't think that's good to do. But I I I got thinking that 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 if the fivefold ministry is operating correctly within the church. And that downflow of heaven is operating correctly. I actually think it's a, an ingredient, a supernatural ingredient to create a su- supernatural environment. And what happens is that if that order's flowing correctly, you know, then what happens is the saints are equipped for acts of service. Well, what's your acts of service? Well, sometimes I think people think that's to serve the church. No, it's not. Your acts of service are meant to go into the world and see people saved, lead people to Jesus. That's your acts of service. You come to church to get equipped so that then you go to do it. But what we do is we think, oh, I want to get equipped so I can serve the church. Now, I need you to serve the church, so don't hear what I'm not saying. All right? But in order to, to, to equip you to go into the world is that you have a supernatural carry within you that goes into a community and changes it from the inside out. That you let what's inside of you ooze out around you where people who you walk past. I mean, think about this. Peter walks past someone and they get healed by his shadow. I'm like, get, God, give me some of that anointing. Yeah. You know, you imagine you're, you're walking down Hunter Main Street and everybody you walk past just gets healed. I mean... I believe that. Some people don't. I don't know why. Because they must have a very dry, boring gospel. You know, if if all we have is the Word of God, and hear me, the Word of God is, I'm passionate about the Word of God, and you need to get into it. If you're not into it, get into it, all right? But I'm more interested about the Word of God. Who's that? Correct, the Hologos. Because if the Word of God is in me, both written and in person, then I have this incredible equipping to do what? But there's a higher level that I think what happens is when God begins to move in a community of people, he begins to release something in that body that creates an environment for God to move incredibly powerful so that you don't keep it here and we get into a nice holy Christian huddle and we worship the Lord, which is fantastic to do, but that you're equipped to go in and see the world saved. I mean, I think this is good preaching. You're not convincing me. You know, tell your face that you believe that. And I think there's 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 you see, here's the pro, here's the other thing. One of those fivefold are the evangelists. We we have churches coming down with pastors. You know what, you know what's really interesting? Let me give you some let me give you some some facts. I should probably read the Bible, or they might write about that at some point as well. Let, let me let me let me give you let me give you some facts. Um, how many people know the global church don't believe necessarily in the in the, in the prophets and apostles as have said, but w- what's been really interesting is that there's been this rise over the last 120 years of the pastor. He, can, can I just say our church are full of pastors. These are just you take care of everybody. You know, last week when Rachel shared hijacked us a bit, and it was like all the pastors <laughs> came out. This week, all are oh there there you're all right we John you doing okay I'm great. And it's like the don't get me wrong, right? But but the pastor's heart actually is really interesting. Let me give you some facts. And again, I'm not into about numbers, but the word pastor is only used one time in the entirety of the New Testament, Ephesians four eleven. The word teacher is used sixty eight times in the New Testament, and fifty two of those times were in reference to Jesus. The word evangelist is used three times in the New Testament. The word prophet mentioned one hundred and twenty two times in the New Testament alone, and the word apostle 70 times in the New Testament. And when you dig a little bit deeper, 25 named apostles um, in the New Testament, one named evangel. not a single person was named pastor in the New Testament. Not one. And it's kind of interesting to me. Now, I'm not also, a lot of churches do this as well, and I think this is a mistake because I, I was speaking to someone and said, you know, well, if we build a team together, sure, he can be the apostle and, he can be the prophet and he can be the evangelist and he can, I don't, go, don't do that. That's just, that's not how this works, all right? God, God does something that he does that is outside of anything that any human being can, can, can create. These are Christ's gift to the church. The Holy Spirit gifts that he gives to you are gifts to help you in your life, but also to serve the kingdom. But the gifts of Christ given to the church are only bestowed on a person by God. How, and how does the person know that they have it? Well, as I said to you, they talk about it all the time. They, they can't help doing it. And the people in the community recognize that on their lives. If, if, if you wanna know what a prophet looks like, well, you probably wanna know that they've been prophesying for quite a long time and they've got a track record. How do you know an apostle? Well, you, you look at the last 25 years of life and have a track record of success because a lot of apostles out there who claim to be apostles and they're not successful. Now, how do we measure what God does? Well, I think you measure by the fruits. Is that not what the Bible says? Well, what's the fruit of any ministry? It's you serve and God makes it grow. Now, can he pick anybody? Yes, he did. You know how I know that? Because he picked me. I'm like, what? And when God picks you for a calling that you can't get rid of because it becomes who you are, it, it, it leaks out of you all the time. And the problem with that is the apostolic are always provoking and poking and hooking at people to do things that they don't want to do. You're welcome. (laughs) And there's an alignment that takes place because the Bible also goes on to say, there's an order. I didn't write it, he did, but he said, first apostles, then prophets, and then works of miracles, and then gifts of healing, and all of these other things come after that. There's something about an apostolic and a prophetic coming together that creates a supernatural environment for the rest to succeed. You see, without the apostolic and the prophetic, you will have a dry teacher. But the teachers and the prophets don't get on very well. Do you know how I know that? Well, because there's some of them in our world that I know. The teachers are like, it's all about the word. Get into the word. Read your Bible. Bang, bang, bang. And the prophets are like, but I feel the Lord speaking to me and he's saying this. And so they clash. And yet, yet for some reason, God set it up that you need the both of them. And the prophetic has an often way of disappearing off into Narnia. Anybody know where Narnia is? You know any Christians that live in Narnia? Anybody? You know, off to Disneyland? Where you go? I was talking to a friend who was in Disneyland this week over in Paris. And he's like, John, you'll not believe it. There was no kids there. I is what do you mean? He says, I kid you not, there was no kids I says who were there? He says, all these crazy adults walking around with Mickey Mouse hats on and dressed up like Minnie Mouse. <laughs> he says, it's like, it's like they're lunatics. They've lost the plot. They're going to Disneyland and they're not even kids. And I was we were laughing. I was like, going well, okay, that, 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 that's the sign of the world today. You see, everybody wants to escape from the world. Let's head off into Disneyland or Narnia where, where, where animals talk and we can meet Mr. Tumnus at the at the light, and we can go and eat Turkish delight, and it's Christmas all year round. (laughs) Sounds nice, doesn't it? Real nice place to visit, but we're not called to live there. We're called to live here. And God's given a mission here, and here is hard. But what do we want? We want the path of least resistance. We want it easy. We want it comfortable. We've created an environment in the church today where comfortability is what, is what the aim of the game is. Nice seats, nice lights, nice music. Nice. Our world today is comfortable. And one of the reasons why we've got a mental health epidemic is because there's no resilience in the world today. Kids don't know how to be resilient. They've never struggled. You parents have rescued them. I, I can't talk, we did it too. You rescue your kids and then you wonder why they, they hit mental health problems. Can I tell you, these things are more linked than you know. Because we want out oh, there, there, you poor wee pet. Come here and I'll rescue We never resource them how to make their bed. My, my, my ma had me cleaning with bleach when I was five. <laughs> I thank God for it. Talk to my two kids. They, they've had their marigolds on for years. Yeah. Ethan came. Sorry, my kids hate me doing this. Ethan came, was 17, dad, I want a car. I said, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we'll buy the car, but you're going to fuel it, and you're going to pay for the insurance, and you're going to run it yourself. Eh, fair enough. So he comes along, first week. I says, have you got your insurance money? I, I don't have it, daddy. I says, well, what are you going to do about that? He says, well, can I lend it from you? No. <laughs> I said, you've got a choice. You either work more or drive less. You choose. Okay, so he goes to work, he makes work, and now he pays his bills in time. But what do we do? Oh no, we go and research it. And we actually treat the church like that too. We want the God with the magic wand to come along and give us sweetness and nice. Can I tell you this? The biggest breakthrough I had in my life in the last five years is when I accepted struggle and I love it. When 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 I when I am struggling, it's like Whoa. when I when I am up against it, it brings it brings the The prayer life out of you. When I'm up against it, and we're pushing him for a miracle, and I, you know, some Rachel shared last week, we're in we're in a fight at the minute. I'm going, it come on, God! But if I had a nice, comfortable life where I'd never know trouble, and you see that through revival history, that revival comes when people have no other option but to go to God. We have all these other options, and we want. The miracles and we want the Holy Spirit, and we want the niceties, and we want all of that. Band, come on back up again. And uh, Ephesians 4, let me read it to you just in case the heresy hunters are watching. He Himself, Christ, gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers for the equipping of the saints for works of service to build up the body of Christ until they attain the full unity of faith and the full knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. There's an until in there and that until is really important. Until Christ comes back and we meet him face to face when perfection comes back, we meet him face to face, these gifts are available to the church today. Don't be a Christian that shies away from the supernatural power of God. And I know if you come to this church, you don't. But someone messaged me this week and uh, we've been talking a little bit, but she says, last week I felt the Spirit of God for the first time powerfully in 10 years. And I am like, "Yes." yes. And if you are spiritually low, never had that encounter, never understood that, never had the breakthrough miracle, never had that, there's a key here and I'll finish with this and then we're gonna pull chairs back and we're gonna go into ministry time. If you come with the faith of a thimble, you will receive a thimble's worth. If you come with a mug, you'll get a mug's worth. If you come with a bucket, you get a bucket's worth. If you come with a barrel, you get a barrel's worth. The Bible says in Corinthians that that, that the Spirit of God gives these gifts to the measure, to the measure of your desire. He, he makes hunger for these things part of the deal. W- where's your measure? Some of you, down the floor. Some of you, <laughs> Narnia. <laughs> C- come on out of Narnia and come on up off the floor. And um, pastor friend of mine many years ago wrote a book called the quest the radical middle we have to live on earth but we got to bring the spiritual kingdom of God into the reality of our lives and God is busting for a church who are so on fire so pursuing him so full of faith that the world out there looks at you and goes dang he's the real deal do you know people knew me 20 years ago it's really funny They haven't had any interaction with me in 20 years. Are you the same person you were 20 years ago? Thank Jesus, right? My wife says, thank goodness. I'm not the man she married. (laughs) Amen, right? But many of us get stuck in a moment and we we make this thing going, you know, I said it last week and I think it's important that we learn this until we all go back to the 1859 revival in Northern Ireland. I remember the days revival come through. Everybody got saved and people get filled with spirit and they were carrying them out of meetings and, and, and stretchers. And Whole schools had prayer meetings. Huh. And God showed up at a bunch of students in schools and started to move. Huh. The little pockets around Northern Ireland would wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning and go to the church because they didn't know why else to go because the spirit of God had moved through their house overnight and and they came out. When a school teacher in in, in looked over her shoulder and couldn't understand why she was writing on the blackboard, all the students had gone. She looked everywhere for them and couldn't figure out what was going on. To walk out and look over the wall to find all her primary six class crying out for mercy from God. They are fantastic stories. I can give you story after 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 story 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 of what God's worked for and the miracles I've seen I I went to Lakeland um, 2006 7 I can't remember and there was a move of God happening out there Now there was a crazy lunatic running it okay I met him a few times he he is a crazy lunatic misunderstood man needs a lot of counselling alright but the spirit of God was on him and when I went out there, I was in a tent, a massive tent with 12,000 people in it. I took part in the largest ever fire tunnel, by the way, but that's a whole other story for another time. But a weird thing happened and a way. I got invited on to run the ministry in two of the nights in this area. It was a big area where people were being called up the front to come for ministry. And in the space of about 25 minutes, I witnessed 14 back-to-back supernatural miracles. A man's shoulder was literally out of place. The bone in his shoulder was sticking up through his shirt. And as he walked, he, nobody was praying for him. He walked into the area that we were praying, and the shoulder just went click. An old lady who had Parkinson's disease, who was shaking, came for prayer. And she had a nurse who was very cynical about the whole thing with her. Obviously, she'd got care. And the nurse brought her up, and she was shaking. And I prayed for her. And a demon left her like that. Went out of her. Her skin went straight. The wrinkles came off her face, and she instantly stopped speaking. stopped shaking. She came to me the next night, found it out, wanted to hand me money, and said, "God's healed me of Parkinson's disease." And I'm going, "Actually, I think He has." The same night, I put my hand on a back. Well, a girl whose back was like this, scoliosis. She was there with her parents, and under my hand, the spine went click. I was sitting at a church in belfast and there was i was on the sound desk all good apostles start at the sound desk right guys and uh and and they're sitting on the sound desk and there was a girl came in i hadn't seen her before at the church and i saw the back of her head and god said she's gonna be healed this morning you need to pray for her and uh, you know you're kind of in that mode where you're like i wasn't doing this at the time and i'm like should i go i don't know her anyway i walk up and sneak up behind her and i'm like tapping her shoulder she's there mom and dad there were visitors from the south of ireland says God's told me you're going to heal today I don't know what's sick she says yeah I've been really really ill I can't even remember what it was and we laid on our hands on her she went on the floor and an email came in to the church a month later saying the doctors are confound are absolutely confounded by what's happened why am I sharing these stories well because I I can tell you a hundred stories about what he's done which is great but I want to hear a hundred stories this time next year about what he's doing right now. Yes. And it, it will only ever come when God uses that downflow to drop something inside of you and ignite the fire of God inside of you. The holy fire that we fan into the flames. If you've never had that, you've never got baptized on the Spirit, you've never got that in your life, you've never experienced that, I can tell you now without a shadow of a doubt the Spirit of God is here He's willing He's able He's just waiting for you to respond so here's what we're going to do we're going to clear out these rows right now just in in a church where we're growing at the moment we just we need more space we need a bigger building and I want to say this right if you're sick Ian Somerville has got um, got to get his gallbladder out I think he's got gallstones at the minute so need to pray for him there's a few people that we want to pray for healing but if he's a God of supernatural miracles and healing, then we have to believe that he's, he's going to do it. And I know that we've done our very best. We haven't worked it all out, but we've done our very best to create an environment that the downflow of heaven comes in to this church building and lights a fire within you. And then you do what? Well, you go back to your community full of that fire of God where the Spirit of God, could you know, it's never happened to me, but it's happened to me once. I wish it would happen more. But a girl came to me one time and said, Are you a Christian? And I wasn't doing anything of the normal life. And she, I went, yeah. She said, how'd you know? She said, I just tell. No, oh, really? I got a bit freaked out. It was one of my first experiences with someone who's prophetic, she says, yeah, God's put a special anointing in you. I says, I right. I was only like 22 at the time. And uh, she said, "She said, no, seriously, you, you're, you're going to see many, many miracles. You're going to see people come to the Lord. You're going to plant churches. And I'm like, you lost your plot. I'm a 22-year-old more interested in, girls than it ever was in anything and, and here we are and I, 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 I don't know her name I don't know who she was but I just remember thinking that was my first encounter of a real prophet that somebody that kind of spoke into my life. If you've never had anybody speak into your life then let's, let, let's do that but today next week is about prophecy so come next week and get prophesied to you and we're, we're going to set them up the next two weeks but this week I'm going to instruct our ministry team and this is what we're going to do. This week is Come Holy Spirit. I am bursting to see a movie right now called The Jesus Revolution that's going on in America. Hasn't reached our shores yet, but it's the story of the Jesus movement by a man called Lonnie Fisbee. I've studied Lonnie. I've met his cousin and I've met his uncle. He's kind of one of my heroes, of mine. But he got saved on a beach in California, came into Calvary Chapel, and he was a hippie. I mean, LSD, the whole heap. But he met God during a trip and he came into a, a, a church. <laughs> I mean, this church was a traditional church. And they fell out and they lost people. But he came into the church. And he would stand up at the front. And this is what he did. He would go, come Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God would just literally go through the room like this. And that's all he said. And this morning, that's all we're going to say. So listen, ministry team, there's no prophecy. There's no praying. There's no casting out demons or cutting open whatever dimensions you want. I, that's not what this is about today. This morning is come Holy Spirit. Fan in the flame the gift within them. And we're going to pray for tongues. We're going to pray that you get prophecy. We're going to pray that you're equipped. We're going to pray that you receive. We're going to pray that God does something in you that will change your life forever. As I said, this moment can be the moment that will change history. So let's stand. We're going to go into worship. And then I want to know how hungry you really are. Listen to me, ministry team. No long-winded prayers today, all right? Uh, Lay your hands on them. Don't touch their heads. Touch their hands and pray. Come, Holy Spirit. And let the Spirit of God do His work, all right? So we're going to worship, and during worship, come on ahead. We're going to take an extended time. I want to say this, okay? If you've got children at a quarter to going forward, at a quarter to one, We've instructed the kids to bring your kids down. So if you've got kids, please go get them, Uh, because sometimes last week they were up there at ten past one, and that's not fair on our kids workers. So make sure that you go and collect your kids. But if you don't have any kids, get yourself up here, and we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to pray for a moment, all right? And then we're going to do this. So stretch out your hands. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, move among your people.